Is it okay? Is it me? <laughs> I do believe you were the only one that is acceptable host of this. That is true. We 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 jumped into this one without knowing anything. Uh <laughs> good evening, ladies and gentlemen. It is the I I was about to say the the boys boys lots of toys podcast again. The BB Lot podcast. <clears throat> let's let's take it from the top, fellas. Zambi, you fucked me on this one by just three, two, one to go. Please don't edit this, J Page. Let it rock, baby. Let it rock. <laughs> All natural. Three, two, one. What's going on, ladies and gentlemen? It is the A Few Too Many podcast coming to you live uh, first week of January. First episode of the new year, 2024, uh, ringing it in with a with a, with a half, half cast episode. Um, of course, you are hearing from super special guest host Zane Izagari coming to you live from God's Country, Spokane, Washington. Uh, and I'm joined by my other Spokanites here. Uh, this is an all Spokane podcast, boys. Go ahead and introduce yourselves. Hey, yeah, no, it's good to be back. Happy 2024. Hope the listeners had a good New Year's and holiday season. But yeah, Zams and Baja ready to rock and roll. And uh, we have some snow in the forecast, so that'll be fun. I think this might be the first ever all Spokane edition and what a great time to have it where we can talk about another brutal week here in Zagville. But what's up, everybody? Intern Dan. Um, Happy New Year, boys. Great to see you. Uh, ready to dive in. Uh, hasn't been a great year for our Zags to this point. But luckily enough, a new year really starts tomorrow if we're, if we're thinking about it. So I think we're going to dig dig right in. Might be a little bit of a roller coaster. It's going to get a little negative. But as always, you know who's bringing the positivity. I got you. Yeah, I think I think that'll be important for this show. Uh, here in Spokane, we have a little bit of everything with this group. You have super optimistic Dan, super pessimistic Zane, and then Zambi will just kind of jump all over the place, I feel like, for this episode. Uh, but it is generally moderate, something I never thought I would say about intern Zambi here. Uh, but boys... Let's jump right into our headlines. Uh, as Dan just alluded to, not the greatest week in, in Zagland. Um, we had we suffered another loss to San Diego State at home, um, a, a 10-point loss, 84-74. Um, and as a result of that, the Zags have dropped in the AP poll uh, again. We are now 24th. Mm -hmm. 24th. We are now 24th um fellas reactions to to the zags staying ranked um i don't think we should have dropped out of the top 25 um by any means um i think the biggest thing that was glaring with this loss was that we don't have a quad one win and two of our losses have come to unranked teams grand san diego state's an amazing team well not amazing they're good uh that Ladi guy basically looked like a full-on NFL tight end. That guy was huge. But um I think it's fair. Um, but we can't drop any more the rest of the way. Yeah, I think the 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 big thing is that it keeps our streak of 142 consecutive weeks in the AP poll alive. Uh we we've talked a lot this year about keeping streaks alive. That's a streak I personally don't want to see end. Um, do we deserve to be here? I don't know. Is it more of a 
are there really 25 really good basketball teams this year? I don't know. So I'll take it. Um, from what I saw in person, boots on the ground at this game, um, it was a little alarming, and it was not what I expected, to be honest with you. I was pretty confident we were going to win this game. Uh, just I thought it was a must-win, and I just thought that we would find a way to do it, but we didn't. And the good thing is that there are no such thing as a must as a must win in December. Um, this is a sport where you're going to have an opportunity to, to uh, play your way in. And, and really we've got everything ahead of us. That's a very cliche answer, but it's true. You go in, win, win the conference, uh, set yourself up well in Vegas, go win two games. We're in the dance and that's, that's just kind of all there is to it. Uh, great outlook there, Dan. Uh, uh, I, <clears throat> I am shocked that we stayed ranked this week. Uh, currently, and, and, and you know, maybe a lot of that has to do with voters just kind of tipping their cap to Mark Few and what he's done for the past 20 years. Um, currently, we have the most losses of any top 25 team. We're the only team with four losses. Everyone has three or fewer. Um, I don't know... I don't know that we are deserving. I, I, it's kind of shocking that San Diego State was left off and we were barely hanging on. Um, but San Diego State's got a couple of issues themselves, but they did beat us at home by double digits. So uh, regardless, like Dan said, at this point in the season, given what we've seen through the non-conference slate, all that matters are keeping these little streaks alive and just getting into the tournament. I, I, I don't, I'm not going to say that as optimistically as Dan is because we've made things incredibly difficult for ourselves. Once tournament time actually runs rolls around. Um, I don't think it's a given that we will make the NCAA tournament this year. I think this team is vulnerable in the WCC, particularly when it comes to the possibility that we might, we might have to win the WCC tournament to get in to the NCAA tournament. Um, I don't think that's set in stone by any means yet, but but it but it's looming large. Um, and everything I've seen so far from this team shows me that they are susceptible to a loss in that tournament. And if that happens, oh boy, uh, uh, things things will not be pretty here in Spokane. But we're neither here nor there. Like Dan said, we it's a brand new year. the The conference play is among us. Um, that being said, Boys, I want to take a, a you know we've already kind of got into this a little bit. Uh, well, first, is there anything else in the in the AT, AP top twenty five that we want to mention here? I mean, I think one thing to mention is you talk about us having four losses. Uh, two of those are still to top five teams, so I don't know how many other programs have played two teams in the top five. So I think that, that we do need to kind of evaluate that for what it is. Um, and having those losses is never going to be a bad thing to Purdue and to UConn. That being said, Washington is a game that we just can't lose if we are the program we think we are, and this game at home against San Diego State is also a game that looms very large. So, like, I think I I look at our four, and I really look at it and be like, okay, we really lost two that we probably should have lost, and then we, lost, we, we didn't win two that we were favored, should have won. Um, so there's that, that, that jumps out to me with the AP poll. 
also our friends at uh, Arizona. I think there's been a lot of chatter about how Mark Few's program uh, isn't the same without Tommy Lloyd. We're never going to do anything without Tommy Lloyd. I love Tommy Lloyd. But guess what Tommy Lloyd's ball club did last week? Just got their ass clapped in Palo Alto to Stanford. So <laughs> as Arizona moved into uh, the the uh, fraud alert um, segment, which we, we love to do, typically it involves teams from the Big Ten. But how do we feel about Arizona after after watching that? Okay, so they've lost to, and correct me if I'm wrong, so Stanford, really bad loss, right? Probably worse Probably worse than any one of Gonzaga's losses. Uh, who are the other two? Purdue by eight. Okay. Uh, neutral, not even neutral side. That, that game was actually in, in Indianapolis. And then they lost a neutral double overtime to Florida Atlantic, who is a roller coaster of a year. They just yeah. lost to Florida Gulf Coast. So who knows? <laughs> yeah, I think um, I think Arizona is getting way too much. Yeah, so I'm going to go fraud alert. They're not a top 10 team, in my opinion. I think they have the they have the makings of a top 10 team, and I certainly uh, think they should be ranked Gonzaga, ahead of Gonzaga. This has nothing to do with comparing them to Gonzaga. If you offered me one team or the other in a head-to-head matchup, I'm taking Arizona by 10 because all Gonzaga does is lose by double digits to ranked teams this year. Um, but I like as I look at the poll right now, it's it's a weird, weird season where i mean who would you put ahead of them would you put oklahoma ahead of them i don't know byu i don't know it, it's it's an odd year where you know maybe it's the best year to just get into the tournament and see what happens given sort of the the roller coaster ride it's been uh i did have one thing uh with with you know you talking about our losses dan i think I think it goes a little bit beyond the fact that we just lost those games, those four games. Um, we've lost our total of four games by a combined 38 points. Three of those games have been double-digit losses. We have two 10-point losses, a 13-point loss, and then to uh, Washington, I think it was a five-point loss, right? And so... You can, in my opinion, you can almost forgive the Washington loss just because it was so close and it really felt like we had control of that game. I can't really forgive the other losses, Purdue and UConn, because I really felt like, although at times the games were close, it never felt like Gonzaga was in control of either of those games, the exception being Purdue first half, right? Um, and then... And then in, uh, what is it, San Diego State, that's just a despicable loss to lose that way at home um, after already having three losses in what should have felt or you would have hoped these players played that game like it was a must win. It, it wasn't and it isn't. But, guys, I'm concerned about the way we're losing games. That's that's sort of the the conclusion that I'm drawing here. Yeah, I know. I'm kind of along the same thought vein whatever you want to call it um, with you there, Zane. Um, UW, I think they just, we always play at the target on our back and in-state rivals in quotes. Um, I think they just came out just wanting it more. Um, I think with the SDSU game, uh, the thing that really irked me was 
the uh, the analysts just kept saying, "Oh, the kennel's the loudest, like one of the loudest places to play in the U.S." But there were no students there, and you could hear it on TV. Uh, Dan, I don't know if it was louder for you, but um, it just seemed like the crowd wasn't into it. And I think that, especially at home, it helps the Zags a ton. And that just didn't happen. Yeah, there's no doubt about it. I think, uh, you know, really the the second I knew this game was was being played uh, and seeing the date, I was like, oh, God, this is not a game where you don't want your, you know, student section there and the whole arena there full throat. Um, I thought that in terms of the atmosphere, like it almost hurts me going into that place without students um, right off the bat, at least. Uh, granted, we were able to kind of get the, I mean, I don't want to say we were able, but the team was able to give us something to cheer about. I feel like with, with the way that we were playing in the first half, we got the press going, got some turnovers, um, knocked down a couple threes, which was cool. Uh, I thought that was going to be uh, a sign of things to come. Unfortunately, that, that did not continue. I thought that the crowd really like was, was pretty solid at times for sure. Uh, but I, I do think that this game in the kennel with a full student section may have flat out had a different outcome. Like I, I, I think that it is that big of a factor, um, especially for our team that really like one thing about, about this team that I can get behind that I do like, I feel like we play super freaking hard. We play hard. We don't give up. Um, I can live with, with a team that does that, that, unfortunately has a uh, putrid shooting percentage from beyond the arc, but we play hard and we don't give up. And and that was, that was evident in that game, the way that they had to rally back. We cut it back to three with like six minutes left. Unfortunately ran out of gas, which is a big problem because we don't have depth. So I think when we're in a game already where we are, you know, battling like that, just to get back into it, it's really hard to, to, to kind of stay on top and find a way to win it. So that is a that is a challenge for sure. Um, but you know, in terms of what I saw being in the arena, uh, you know, these guys were pissed losing this game. Like you could see it on their faces. Um, I think you know, Anton Watson said after the game, you know, we don't plan on losing again the rest of the year. I think that's probably a great goal for every team at this point. <laughs> but um, I still believe that this team can find a way to get some momentum. Um, I think it starts it, it starts tomorrow, probably tonight when you're listening to this. We are playing Pepperdine in good old Spokane, Washington at the Spokane Arena. And I think we're going to rattle off quite a few. I, I think uh, we're going to get hot. Um, I mean, if, if you were to ask me when our next loss is, I think we're going to go into Rep Arena on a win streak. And I think we do lose at, at Kentucky, but <laughs> no losses until then. And getting on like a 10-game win streak or whatever it may be, that would be big time. That would be huge for this team. Uh, it would be great for this podcast to not talk about a loss every week. Um, and that's going to be my my bold prediction here to start off 2024. We will not lose another game until we go to Lexington. That's that is a bold a bold take, given the fact that we play. I mean, people are some polls net ranking has San Francisco ahead of us. We play San Francisco on the 25th of January. We play all of a sudden LMU feels like a little bit of a sneaky game with the way Dom Harris is shooting his brains out this season. Uh, might be nice to have some of that on our team. Uh, and then St. Mary's. Luckily, all of those are home games. 
Um, I hope home games still mean something for this team. Uh, but we'll have students for all those. Th- those are three losable games, right? I think. No, um, LMU at home not lose not a losable game. We didn't we lose to LMU at home last year? We did. We're not doing it two years <laughs> ago. That was an absolute anomaly. Wait, they don't basically return the exact same team plus Dom Harris. No, they don't have Camp Shelton. That was their. That was why they won that game. Wait, isn't a J Page's doppelganger still on the team? He's. Yes. Dude, I think he's still there. <laughs> yeah. Dude, LMU is not a good basketball team. They're seven and seven. They are a uh, hundred and. But Dan, Dan, you love to buy into the emotional factors behind these games. You cannot deny the emotional factor that comes with Dom Harris. With Dom coming into the kennel and like yes. his teammates wanting to beat Gonzaga for him. It's that game is closer than it should be because of that factor in my That's opinion. fair. Yeah, that's fair. They're 145th in Ken Palm, seven and seven on the year. Yeah. Um Dom Harris I, is shooting the ball well. But I also I think this team is is capable of losing to bad teams. Yeah. Just, Sadly. <laughs> Sadly, it's not, it's not, we look, we've had much better Gonzaga basketball teams drop weird games in WCC play before this team. We've kind of all conceded the fact that it's probably our least talented team. I'll say our worst team. And since would we, would we take the HBO team over this team right now? Talent wise. I think you have to get Wilcher and Sabonis. (laughs) <laughs> yeah so all right so this is the worst gonzaga team that the three of us together have ever seen since being gonzaga fans i mean why why would we believe they wouldn't lose a wcc game here or there i think that if you look at those teams that have lost those are teams that maybe get a little complacent in conference play that rely on oh we're just gonna out talent everybody and we're just gonzaga we're gonna win i think that a non-conference like this can really drive home the fact that, hey, you don't just get to wear a Gonzaga uniform and just beat up on everybody. It, that is not the case. You got to earn every single game. Um, every game is going to be a unique challenge. And at this point, it's, you know, the margin for error that this team has is so small where um, that's, I, I just think that those other games, like, mentally maybe they're not there to be like okay yeah we're playing pacific we don't we need to play hard tonight like this team they need to do it every night and i believe they're capable of it and i can't wait to see it in action starting 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 against the waves yeah yeah i do have one last thing here i feel like every season with gonzaga we just have issues in the non-conference and then we rely on wcc play to kind of smooth those things out I feel like it's even more glaring this year, like because typically it's just like one or two things we had to tweak, but I feel like we have a lot of uh, loose bolts right now. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I would agree with that. I, I think just one last thing on conference too is just uh, the fact that probably a lot of these games might be a little bit closer than they typically are, uh, but literally all you got to do is just win them. So, you know, playing in these close games, figuring out who your go-to guy is, all that kind of stuff, I think – will serve us well um obviously you still gotta still gotta get to the dance and again i don't believe the sky is falling quite yet it is close though it is closer than i would like to admit here on (laughs) january 3rd um 
but yeah, I just, uh, I think, I think things will turn. I think these guys are, are going to be excited, ready to go playing, playing in conference. And again, everybody that is a part of this team is here to go to the tournament, be a part of a deep run. There's nothing that they have done thus far that at this point prevents that. Does it cloud it a little bit? Yes, but they have the time to get it right. Um, and it's not just three point shooting either. Uh, there, there are, there are, are other holes for sure. Uh, Zambi real quick, before we get into what needs to change for this team, is the sky falling in your opinion? Uh, it's not falling right now, but, um, we're getting pretty close. <laughs> are we okay? So I feel like we're all kind of in agreement that while the sky, it, it, it it's like that movie chicken little, the sky's not <laughs> falling yet, but there are tiles that we're finding on the ground. And if we if we don't make some repairs pretty quickly, the rest of the sky is just going to collapse right in front of our eyes. Uh, what, Dan, in your opinion, is there anything that can happen before the WCC tournament that will lead you to believe the sky is falling? How, right, let me put it this way. How many conference losses will it take for you to think that the sky is falling? Uh, the sky will be falling if we have more than two conference <laughs> losses. You're you're willing to give this team two conference losses? I can give two. Okay, it ah, feels like a lot. That feels like a lot. Um, <laughs> that does it does feel like a to lot. me. To me, honestly, the sky is falling. Like, ah, that sounds so complacent. Ah, God. Um, I think we need to go into Vegas as the number one seed in the in in the in the conference. I think anything less than that is sky falling. And then we're, you know, underdogs in Vegas, which it's not a horrible spot to be, but I would like to, to be rightfully, you know, where we are on top there. Yeah. I'm going to say two losses. And I think the sky is falling a little bit. I, I, I don't, I think we are by far and away the best team in the WCC still. Uh, I think it's probably a good thing. This is a down year for the WCC. Um, I think if BYU were still in this conference, given the fact that they only have one loss currently, I don't know who exactly they've played, but that seems like a series we could potentially be getting swept in this year if they're still in the WCC. Not, I, two, two, I, I'm gonna say two. If we have two losses, I'm gonna start feeling like the sky is falling. Um, Zambi, bring us home. How many losses for the sky to fall? Uh, it's going to be two losses. I think giving up one, it's like, okay, like we're not the best team. WC's been getting better. I could be okay with that. But if we have two, yeah, no, I'm not, uh, not going to be happy camper. I'll go. Okay. Uh, let me clarify. I will go two losses on the road. I can kind of see if we lose a home game again, like against one of these shitty WCC teams, not named St. Mary's or San Francisco. Sky is falling. I'll just say one game at home to one team not named St. Mary's or San Francisco. Sky is falling. I would agree with that. Because you got to defend your home court. All right, but boys, we've talked a lot about the negative stuff. Let's talk about, you know, we'll call it the New Year's resolution segment of this episode. What does this Gonzaga team need to do in the new year that will help them get back on track? Zambi, I'll start with you. Uh, I was actually going to mention this earlier in, in the show, but um, <clears throat> I think we, we're just not as fluid as 
teams past like transition buckets the offense just moving super efficiently like it just seems kind of clunky to me so if we can get more fluidity in our offense and defense I think uh, 2024 will be a little bit better I like it yeah go Um, ahead Dan I think it's just the combination of just all of the little things like ball security uh, especially if if we're just never going to turn the tide and and start shooting the ball well from deep, uh, we cannot be turning the ball over in other aspects. I think when when San Diego State got on their run to uh, take the lead at the end of the first half, it was a large part due to just awful ex- offensive execution on our part, turning the ball over, um, and then you know leaving guys open for for threes and things like that. And I think it's just like a combination of of all the little things that I think normally a Gonzaga team is really good at that we are not executing on that, you know, when we are shooting the way we are, our margin of error for everything else is so small. And if we can just tighten up those things, get the turnovers down. Um, I feel like we've left very good three point shooters on ridiculous plays, or we've doubled too hard and left guys wide open for dunks. Like, those are the little things that just can't happen. Um, and I think cleaning that stuff up will uh, go a long way. Nice. Uh, <clears throat> I agree. I So first I'll say the things that I'm happy about that this team did in 2023. Um, and a lot of it can be attributed to what Dan described earlier is like the hustle, the hustle plays that this team um, seems to do consistently. Uh, and that is, you know, generally speaking, our team rebounds the shit out of the ball. We are a very good rebounding team. Uh, overall, we're the number 13 ranked rebounding team, and we don't have a lot of size. So that that number right there to me speaks to, you know, fair. We don't we we might not have a ton of skill like we're used to on this team, but goddamn, these guys are still trying every single game. Um, second is. Um, the number of two point field goal field goals per game, we are fifth in the country. When we get the ball down low and we're in transition and we're scoring close to the basket, that is when this team is at its very, very best. And that is when we can dominate a team like Syracuse or USC uh, or first half against, you know, Purdue. Uh, and then generally our offense is actually somehow our offense is still in the, in the top 30, um, despite other issues we have. Uh, I know Dan just said that three point shooting is just one factor and a list of things that we need to improve. It's hard for me to find a bigger factor than three point shooting though. I think I, in my opinion, it is the weakest link of this team. It is, it is our most serious exposure, our, our biggest vulnerability moving forward. We are the 271st three point shooting team in the country there uh, that it might be worse than every single other WCC team. I don't know. Um, don't fact check me on that. We got to be at the bottom though. Uh, that is despicable. <laughs> it's just so bad. Um, but we shoot a pretty decent amount of threes, which is which is also not good. Uh, we're in the top half of the country for teams that shoot threes. Um, 
So if you, and I don't see that number improving. I just don't. I don't know how a team can suddenly just get good at shooting threes. I think we can get hot for a brief period of time, maybe to close out a game. That'd be nice. Um, generally, I feel like we maybe get hot in the first half and we go cold in the second half. I don't, I don't know why that is, but that's sort of the eye test that I have. But I, that's just such a huge concern for me moving forward. If we can't score the three ball, you just got to find another way. Make a fucking adjustment. Do something else to put points on the board. I, I know we can't just be totally reliant on two-point shots, and eventually, we, you know, we got to take open looks if they're there, but fuck, I mean, maybe don't operate your offense just to get open threes, and I don't think we necessarily do that all the time. And just to wrap it up, I, I you know, I don't want to pick on, you know, one player on this team, but it's tough to get past the fact that Andrew Nemhart has not made a three-pointer in 11 halves of basketball. Um, at some point, I think the dude needs to just find a different way to contribute. Um, I, I, I think Dan might feel otherwise, but that's just my my impression. Well, personally, I'm more concerned about what Ryan Nemhard is doing this year than Andrew. Did I say Nem- Andrew again? I do that. I do that every time I talk about that. God, <laughs> I just want Andrew back. That's all. I think on the on the Nemhard threes, I think we, you know, we, you were just saying, hey, if they're if they're open looks, take them. I don't feel like he is forcing them anymore. I felt like he was doing that at the beginning of the year. I think now he's taking ones that are open. If we're getting an offensive rebound, kick it back out, step in, in rhythm. I think he had one against San Diego State. That was exactly that. And it just rolled in and out. And that's a great look and a shot that you just need to take. Then he hit that one on the wing that unfortunately after review was ruled a two. Um, But even seeing a ball go in that you thought was a three, could that help his confidence? No, Dan, when you're a 15% three-point shooter, there is no good three that you can take. Uh, he he's a good. He, he shot thirty five percent last year. Like <laughs> this last year, he's capable. But what, what changed? This is I, it, it's remarkable because to be honest with you, I think we could go small sample size three games ago, four games ago. It's no longer a small sample size. It, it, it's it's. It's a that that is a glaring hole with this team that that this is the first time that I can ever think of that we had a point guard that just cannot cannot make a three to save his life. It's very yeah. very unfortunate. That's for sure. But I do think <laughs> you were saying find another way to contribute. I think Ryan's uh, facilitating was pretty good. I don't know what his turnovers were in that game. But I felt like he was in he was in attack mode. He got an and one early. He was trying to do other things, uh, but like you can't just become completely to the point where you're just going to turn down open looks that are part of the offense in flow. Like like I think once you start doing that, then everything else can totally unravel. And I think Ryan is still doing good stuff. Um, we need to see a couple go down. We need to see him knock down like one a game. He can't go zero for five. He can't go zero for five. One for five is not much better, too. <laughs> I would have taken one. <laughs> uh, all right. Um, okay, I got another question for you guys because this was sort of a highlight from the San Diego State game. In a pretty critical moment, uh, late in the second half, um, Dusty Stromer gets hit with a technical foul. Well, I guess it wasn't late in the second half. It was just in the second half. Um, gets hit with a technical foul. Uh, by all accounts, 
it was probably the right call. I think there's an argument to be made that it's a little bit soft, but he did push a player, right? Um, you benches him for the next 15 minutes uh, on a roster that basically has three guards, uh, and Hickman and Nemhard, an injured Hickman and Nemhard, struggling Nemhard, are forced to finish the game out for the Zags. Uh, I'll be honest, fellas, as much as much as I gripe with this team, and I get why Mark View did this, to me, this was a major overreaction by Mark View. I get the history for benching freshmen that that act this way. I get that this happened to Adam Morrison. So why shouldn't it happen to Dusty? Well, the reason it shouldn't happen to Dusty is because this team just can't afford for that to happen. Um and I'm and and in a larger picture at all of this is I'm just starting to question Mark View a little bit this year and just the way he's managing this team uh, with with this personnel. Any thoughts on the on the Stromer benching boys? Um, I, I do think he was on the bench a little bit too long. Um, like you said, I get what view he's doing. My biggest issue is like that was such a weak technical. Like. Guys do that all the time. They don't get teed up. I think it was just stupid, but that's my two cents. Yeah, um, I still have yet to see what Dusty did. Uh, being in the arena, it was shocking that what should have been a defensive rebound for us and an offensive foul on San Diego State instead turned into a four-point possession for San Diego State. That was tough. I think that um, because of the magnitude of the play and how that turned into a four-point swing, that's probably why – Fewey might have overreacted a little bit because of how badly it hurt the team in that moment. But it's tough to argue that by Dusty being not on the court and playing with those guards that we were saying were struggling and hobbled, I think that hurt the team more, um, which I did not really think about from that perspective uh, until you brought that up, Zane. Um, and I think that, you know, Dusty, Dusty probably learned his lesson. That's for sure. Um, but, you know, I would like to see what maybe happens if we have another guard that we can maybe give give Ryan or Nolan a blow late in that game because I felt like we just collectively ran out of gas. Um, so I hear you on that. I think the rest of it with the management of the roster and stuff, like kind of dealt a tough hand this year with, <clears throat> with Steele going down um, and then obviously not having Luca. Like this, this is who we – who we are right now. Um, I think hopefully JSY can get some more, some more PT uh, and, and we can get a little bit more depth, but I don't really know a whole lot more about what he's supposed to do at this point. I think, you know, what's, what's most important is just how does this team come together? How do we find it, uh, you know, going, going through conference play? Yeah. Well said, well said. All right. Well, let's hope the team can rally together. Uh, conference play starts this week boys and if you're listening to this episode it is either starting today or you already missed the first game we got pepperdine uh, at the spokane arena thursday january 4th um goddamn does anyone here know anything about this pepperdine team this year bad real bad, bad. 220 in kempom oof uh they have a 22 point loss to putrid louisville this year granted louisville probably has much better athletes than they do but i think any team that loses to louisville by that much 
probably is not very good. Um, I think they're going to have their same, you know, offensive talent like normal. We are favored by 19 and a half at the Spokane oh, Arena. Take, take, take the waves, baby. Take the I waves all day. I don't think you can confidently say that we will cover that spread personally. <laughs> um, however, I think that, uh, you know, both of these, both these games, Pepperdine and USD this week, these games are just all about Gonzaga. I don't care about their opponent. I don't. I don't care about any anything about them. I don't care that Pepperdine has 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 Houston Millette, uh, some guy named Michael Ayai, not related to Joel, and then they have Michael Porter Jr.'s brother. Um, just be the team we're capable of. Pound it inside to Graham. I think Graham and Anton Watson have been super consistent this year for the most part. Graham had two two tough games against uh, against UConn and uh, UCLA that he just was a non factor. Other than that, he's been great. We're going to need him to just be a dominant force inside all conference play. I don't think there's a lot of teams that can compete with that. And I think Anton Watson, um, I don't think this is that hot of a take. I think Anton Watson's going to be WCC player of the year. I think he's going to turn it on. Uh, also be another mismatch for a lot of people. And um, yeah, that's, that's the Pepperdine preview. Hopefully the arena is rocking with people that spent $70 to sit in the nosebleeds of Spokane arena. Do we have a current price check on these tickets? Because they were, Seventy dollars before fees, so you're looking at probably a hundred bucks a ticket for this game. Efforting, Dan, do you end up uh, getting tickets? Uh, no, I refuse to go to this game, <laughs> especially well, after getting to go to the San Diego State game. Yeah, it's still seventy one dollars plus fourteen seventy five per ticket fee. That to is two oh two. Well, I was gonna say if you wanted to go, have an extra ticket. Oh, <laughs> oh, boots on the ground, boots on the ground. <laughs> I may have to think about that one, sir. <laughs> uh, just let me know by tomorrow. <laughs> okay, we'll do. Uh, all right, yeah, you know, uh, when it comes to both these games, I don't know how much we need to get into the particulars of Pepperdine or San Diego. Um, like Dan said, it's about Gonzaga. What I will be looking for more than anything is to see whether a light switch can go off for this team uh, and whether they can play like we know that they're capable of without making some of the bonehead mistakes that have cost them a couple of games. I'm not looking for the team to just start shooting 50% from three-point range. Uh, I don't think that's going to happen, but I'd like to see some of our silly turnovers um, you know, disappear. And I'd like to see us control the tempo of a game. Um, and probably the biggest thing is I'd like to see us not go through minutes long lulls without scoring a basket. I think that's what kills us most. Um, you know, I talked about three pointers being the biggest contributing factor to our losses. I would actually, you know, go back and revise that statement and say, our minutes-long scoring droughts might actually be what has cost us this season more than anything. Um, so kind of combining what we've all said so far, I'm looking for this team to just play fluid, loose, come together, minimize dumb mistakes against a far inferior opponent, and just cover the fucking spread. Just cover the I like spread. It. I like it. <laughs> um, I think one thing... One other thing that we need to see uh, starting with these games and in conference play is uh, 
a young man by the name of Braden Huff. Can you please show up? In our four losses, how many combined points do you think Braden Huff has? In in our oh, so I know he didn't play very much in the UCLA game, right? Or not UCLA? What am I talking about? In the uh, Washington game, he didn't play very much. Uh, and and did he play very much in the UConn game either? Um, he played. 12 minutes in the UConn game, four minutes at Washington, seven <laughs> minutes against UCLA, and eight minutes against San Diego State. His minutes are just down. The guy's minutes are down because of stupid fouls. I guess total in the in the four losses, give me give me 14 points total. Under. Oh, <laughs> no, I was gonna say 18. Nine. Oh no. <laughs> Nine. And he is just dominated shitty teams. 17 against Jackson State, 17 against Mississippi Valley State, 19 against Arkansas Pine Bluff. 12 it's just against- about staying on the court for him, right? Doesn't that, Isn't that what it feels like? I know in the Washington game, he missed a couple of open threes. That could have helped us. Um, and I think same can be said for UConn down the stretch. But it, it seems to me like if he's on the court more than 15 minutes, He's contributing. He can get into a rhythm. He can get going more. But if he fouls out or just gets three fouls in the first half, he fucks himself. Yeah, he had he had no fouls against San Diego State and just played eight minutes and was one of four, 0 for huh. 2 from three. And I think all of his looks are usually pretty good. I don't know why he didn't play more. Well, well, you know, goes back to me questioning Mark Few a little bit. But EK but had also, a great game. EK had a yeah. great game, so I don't know how you take him That's out. A, Tough to take Graham off the floor, yeah. um, especially when we were down and needed to make that run, and they they pulled Jaden Ladee too. So, uh, but yeah, that's that's something else that I would like to see is Braden Huff. We need you, we need you bad. Yep. I'll, I'll throw another player out there um, in in these, and it'll be another young guy. I want Dusty Stromer. Look, I love love the hustle, the energy, the having your teammates back, the rebounding. The defense, you got to fucking score if you're playing the minutes that you are. If you're playing 30-plus minutes a game, I really need Dusty Stromer averaging 12 points. Maybe maybe that's even too much. Maybe give me 10. Give me just double digits. But, but I'd love to see it closer to 12 with this young man because you know, based on his high school credentials, he's capable of scoring. He is an all-around scorer, whether it be driving, Three-point shooting, getting to the line and making your free throws. Um, I just really want to see him take the next step and get more confident and assertive on offense. Don't force shit, but just be more of a contributing factor on offense. Yep, we need that from our uh, Notre Dame night, that's for sure. Yeah. One last thing that we didn't talk about, Nolan Hickman. We need some consistency. Flashes, flashes are are all we get from him. No, he's been pretty good this year. I I think, um, I I don't have his game log up in front of me, but I what drove me crazy in that San Diego State game is I didn't really notice it at the time, you know, in the arena. But going back and watching the quote unquote highlights of this game, the amount of one foot crazy shit that he was just throwing off the glass was awful. I don't know if it was because he was banged up and maybe he just couldn't quite get to his shots and was trying to do too much, but 
Um, can't have those because those are also turnovers. And I think he was like, what, two for seven, something like that. So um, just need need a backcourt that can do a little thing called put the ball in the hole. So <laughs> MR, Hickman, Stromer, I don't care who it is. We need two of them to do whatever we get. Yeah. Hickman's yeah. actually shooting a hell of a three ball this year. He's shooting 35%. Maybe he just needs to shoot the three more. Um, God, his numbers are pretty good, dude. His yeah, numbers are. are pretty good. They are, but he's also disappeared, though. He he disappeared against UConn. Um, disappeared and, against UW in the second half. Yeah, but his first half was was lights out. Uh, but yeah, no, I agree with that. And then, and then, yeah, San Diego State was was not a great showing for him either. So, um, that's that is definitely those those are some things that we need for sure. Who would you guys guess on our team? And now this is a stat that doesn't that doesn't like matter a lot. Um, but who would you guys guess had the biggest? What is the plus minus? What is, what is that stat called? Efficiency rating. I mean, plus minus is plus minus. I don't uh, know yeah. <laughs> who had who had the lowest plus minus in the San Diego State game. Uh, Hickman. No. Because he was on the well, he was on the court. All, I don't know. That's Only weird. one player had a positive. Plus minus. Uh, I think that one's more obvious. It's got to be Graham. Graham Ike had had one. One. Guessing the lowest is Nemhard. Nemhard and Anton Watson tied for minus 10. Well, that's because they both played 40 minutes, right? We yeah. lost by 10. Yeah. <laughs> so that is. <laughs> that's, that's how that works. That's how that works. That's not at all. <laughs> <laughs> Dusty Stromer had minus nine. He only played 20 minutes. Yeah, because he was a responsible. Well, was yeah, maybe he still was responsible for those four. Yeah. <laughs> Cooper, welcome to the show. It's good to see your your bright smiling. Are you smiling? I can't tell. Uh, it's good to see your does face. It, does it look like I'm fucking smiling after <laughs> last week's show? <laughs> well, Coop, we're just rounding out the Gonzaga segment at this point. Um, one of the things, a couple of topics we touched on where is the sky falling for this team? Um, we're all kind of operating under the assumption that pieces of the sky have fallen, but altogether it hasn't. Um, but where, where do you currently stand with this team? Is the sky falling for you and what needs to change during the conference slate that will give you some sort of hope? Um, I don't know. I mean, I think you have to define what uh, what is sky falling? Is sky falling national title contender or? Oh, come on! Come so on. <laughs> if that's the case, it's a fucking downpour. <laughs> um, but I mean, if it's just you know, and I think we've kind of wrapped on our... the season. Just is the sky falling on the season? You know, just generally speaking. I'm not going to go as far as to say the sky is falling, but I do think there's a there's a drizzle going on right now. Um, drizzle being that hey, I don't I don't know if we're a tournament team, and that would be, you know, knock on wood if that's the case. That would be a huge shift from what we're accustomed to as Gonzaga fans. So, um, you know, I think we touched on it, you know, after the San Diego State game that. You know, I don't know if we gave grades on the non-conference slate, but if I'm if I'm giving a grade, I'm giving a fucking F because that was just pathetic. Um, but 
season, you know, starts over with the conference slate. And, you know, as much as, you know, we, unless you're Jake, who just loves the WCC for whatever goddamn reason, <laughs> um, we have a chance to kind of redeem ourselves in conference and our conference, you know, kind of blows this year. So uh, that, you know, is our, our silver lining. And we also have that matchup with Kentucky in February. So if we can, you know, string together a couple wins, figure out what works for us, and God forbid we see something from the likes of Nemhard and our shooting develops, you know, maybe the team has something. But right now, I mean, it's just hard to, you know, buy into any Gonzaga stock. Yeah. Damn. Grades for grades for the non-conference. Zambi, what, what grade would you get for the non-conference? Uh I'll go to the C minus. Yeah, I'm going to go with a D. I don't think it's a complete failure, um, but you didn't pass. You didn't fail, but you didn't pass either. <laughs> I agree. Dan for D? D plus, uh, Notre Dame grading <laughs> scale. So it's actually like a, what do we got? Like a 69.6, like a round that shit up, and you get a, and you get a C minus. Dan, does this team have any opportunity for bonus credit? i think i think kentucky is the bonus credit that you get just before the season ends yeah we're we're, we're getting if we're getting graded on a curve it's the kentucky matchup (laughs) yeah i think if we can beat kentucky he goes up to a c plus right like it's a it's a 10 percent increase i think Ooh, i might go b minus dude if we oh no quad one win in that environment yeah, if they're still top ten. Are they top ten still right they're, now? They're eight, I think, right now. Ooh, okay. If if you can figure out a way to knock off top ten Kentucky in Lexington, I think Dan's got a good point. It could be a B minus. We shall see. One one last note before we move on from Zags. Uh, for the USD game on Saturday, they are honoring the ninety nine team, which is pretty cool. So they'll all be in attendance. That should hopefully motivate our players to go out there and play a great game for them and wipe the floor of San Diego. So maybe those 99ers can talk some fucking sense into these stupid millennials. Gen Z, right? Isn't that what actually the players would be now? Gen Z. I don't know. (laughs) I'm not going to pretend to know how that shit works. All right, boys, let's jump to college football. Something that we're not quite as all invested in right now. um, So we can probably talk about it with less passion, I think. A um, couple of absolutely phenomenal – we're only talking about the, the playoff, right? We don't need to talk about other crappy little Cheez-It Bowl, Pop-Tart uh, Bowl. Holiday Bowl. Holiday Bowl. Do we, we talked about this, did we talk about the Holiday Bowl last week? I don't think we had it last week. Oh, gosh. Zan, Dan, do we do we celebrate Miller Moss for Heisman. Here? That's all I'm saying. Miller Moss Cooper. for Heisman. Move on. Cooper, did you get a little bit nervous watching Miller Moss out there? <laughs> Um, what did he have? Like six touchdowns? Yeah, Hell yeah, baby, bowl game record. I mean, it was the Holiday Bowl. I mean, I don't know how many Louisville players sat out that game. Not a lot. Not as much as USC. That's for damn sure. Yeah, I, I mean, that's. You got to right. ask: Did USC get snubbed from the playoff? Now. <laughs> I think they would have given a better show in the Florida State. That's for damn sure. So <laughs> we can put that argument to bed. Jesus Christ. Okay, I I think I think Florida State that that's that game is very different if they're healthy and their players don't back out 
well, not healthy. I, they're not. You wouldn't just be healthy just because you play. But they had so many players sit out that 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 team was a shell of their thir- twelve and 13 and O team. Yeah, they probably had two first round draft picks that sat out, plus their backup quarterback. So that was their yeah. third string quarterback, bunch of other guys. That's yeah, I agree. I don't think that's a fair uh, and accurate representation of what that team would have been in the playoff. I do think after watching what did happen in the playoff, that I'm very glad Florida State wasn't in it because I don't think we would have had games that were as good as they were. I I honestly, this is a good segue into that. We'll talk about the Bama-Michigan game first. I don't think Florida State would have gotten blown out by Michigan in the Rose Bowl, given the bullshit that Michigan was doing in that game. Mainly the shitty special teams and the offensive stall for like half of the game that they went through. I think I think Michigan probably wins, but I think it's probably like 28 to 10, which is not a good game, but maybe yeah. maybe it's closer. Maybe it's maybe it's 28-14. Dude, I don't think that Florida State would have scored. I think <laughs> yeah, maybe been, it would have been Iowa all over again. Well, keep in mind this quarter this new quarterback has an entire month to prepare for one game and practice with this team. So he he would look different than he did it at, in against Louisville, but God, seeing what Miller Moss did against Louisville, that that makes you question the Florida State game against them. But to your point though, the way that Michigan played, like they didn't play good enough to blow out anybody. Yeah. So if they played that same game, I agree. Maybe Florida State hangs a little bit, um, but yeah, I'm I'm glad that that we didn't watch Tate Rodemaker play in the playoff. Yeah. Yeah, my thing with Florida State, um, granted it's a bowl game, they feel like they got snubbed. They had 29 players opt out of playing. They're basically playing like their second and third string. Granted, Georgia, yeah, they probably had some people sitting out too, but I feel like the team just kind of crumbled. But if they were in the playoff, I think they would have been a little bit more competitive. Dude, I think they should have just said, fuck it, not showed up to the bowl game. Decline the invitation. Finish undefeated. Raise a banner. Well, 29 opt-outs is ridiculous too. And the other thing to think about is how many of those guys opted out and are probably entering the transfer portal because they want to play in a conference that actually gets respect and that can go to the college football playoff <laughs> and not be at Florida State. So the committee might have had a you know extra impact on that too. But um anyway, back to back to Bama, Michigan. Good God, Michigan special teams were absolutely atrocious. I really thought Bama was gonna end up almost running away with that thing. But then Michigan dug deep, found it on that last drive. Hot take. I think the play of the game for Michigan was that fucking punt returner saving that ball from going into the end zone on the one-yard line. And somehow, after screwing everything up, being able to compose himself, grab that ball, and give give his team a chance to get to overtime. I think that was the play of the game. Not only did he grab that ball, but he held on through a vicious hit. He got his shit absolutely rocked. Uh, But I can't, yeah, I can't believe they even had that play. I mean, that whole game changes if uh, when that, um, when, when Michigan was driving, that ball gets tipped at the line of scrimmage and still just stays high enough for the Michigan guy to go up and get it when it looked like it was going to get picked. Uh, So, I mean, it was just a phenomenal I don't know if it was like the best game ever, but just the drama involved and the back and forth and the. And I the think the story. drama at the end, it got dry 
for like the second and third quarter there. Third quarter was painful. Ugh. Yeah. But but you knew close game, fourth quarter, Rose Bowl, sunset, and San Gabriel's in the distance. Oh baby. Yeah. Never gets I've old. Seen, I've seen a, a small contingent, um, including like Dan Patrick and Kurt Herbstreet pushing for the uh new playoff committee or whatever revised playoff committee to just make the Rose Bowl the permanent site for the championship game, which I think would be awesome. I do wonder how does it does the Rose Bowl seat more than like Jerry World in places like that? God no. No, not <laughs> at all. And, and there's people like Stephen A. Smith was saying the Rose Bowl should be at SoFi Stadium because it's bigger and there's less traffic. That nice. was a, that was a take today. But it's, I agree. I mean, so I I think in this era of uh bowl game opt-outs too, like if the Rose Bowl isn't a like semifinal or a championship game, like it could potentially, you know, lose the like sanctity of the Rose Bowl. So always making that high stakes, I think is very important. Yeah, the Rose Bowl capacity is pretty big. It's almost 90,000. Look up, look up Jerry World and tell me who's bigger. Right. Jerry World is smaller, 80. What? Is that... Can anyone else confirm that? AT&T Stadium, right? No, Lumen's like 67. <laughs> so I think that number is about right. SoFi capacity, 70. Really? That's shocking to me. Well, generally, NFL stadiums are smaller, right? Yeah, yeah. then like the big house and things. The like Rose Bowl feels small because it like is just one massive level, right? But you really are packed like sardines in that fucking place. It is not if you're there, it's not a comfortable place to watch the game, but on TV it looks beautiful. Yeah, it is, does. It, is the Rose Bowl just bleacher seating? No, it, for like the middle for like between the 35 yard lines. And on the lower section, there are actual chairs, but everything else is bleacher seating. Uh, um, but another another point to make about this game, man, I, I'm really not buying into the uh, what's the damn Alabama quarterback's name, Milrow. Jalen Milrow. I think aside from running the ball, that dude is like a pretty mediocre quarterback. His pocket awareness was awful. And their offensive line can protect for shit. What they have eight, seven sacks in the first half or something like that? Seven sacks and 568 low snaps. Oh my God. That center is a transfer portal. Did you see that? <laughs> I did see that. Yeah. <laughs> who, who is picking you up if you're that center? I'd have to imagine he got some serious death threats <laughs> from the family faithful. Did, like... did Nick Saban leave him in Pasadena? <laughs> <laughs> did he get the Link Kiffin treatment? No, was yeah. that so? Like, uh, kind of jumping ahead here, but was that play call to oh, like fourth down? Was that a design run, or was it just like yeah. the play yeah. when he had to run it? Yeah, yeah. So they, what I heard, I heard the interview afterwards, and so the first play that they lined up was because remember there are two timeouts. The first yeah. play they lined up, Alabama called the timeout because they called a run play and they didn't like what they had. 
The second time they came out, they had a pass play, and and Michigan didn't like what they had, so they called the timeout. Third time around, Tommy Reese decides that in this situation, keep the ball in the quarterback's hands. And I do think there was an option to pass the ball to the running back, but because the snap was low and pressure got to him so quickly, I think he just completely panicked and ran straight forward. And he actually had a little bit of a hole that I think he could have got through to score a touchdown, but he missed it. And, and, and that was sort of how it went, but that was my take. That's what I've heard since then. Yeah. There was a really good breakdown on, on sports center. Um, and it looked like the play was there to just completely just walk in the end zone. What happened was the right tackle for Alabama just got totally driven back. And that was the guy that Milrow actually ran into. So if Milrow could have, or if, 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 if that right tackle could have gotten any sort of push, Milrow would have had that whole left side, but he couldn't even get to that left side because of the way that that right tackle got blown up. But I also think he panicked and the low snap caused all kinds of problems too. But like the play call, it looks like a bad play call because it didn't work. But if you look at what it was supposed to be, it doesn't seem like a bad call. If that makes sense. Bad I just, I just think you gotta like, I don't know. It's crazy to me to call a where where are they on three? <laughs> They're on the three. Milro is standing on the nine yard line, and you call a quarterback a run from the nine yard line straight up the middle is crazy to me. I would have run the old Tim Tebow jump pass right there. Oh, that would have worked. Ah, yeah, that would have worked. Philly special. Oh, shut the fuck Damn up. Damn special. <laughs> <laughs> Roll Tide. All right, so that's the Rose Bowl, though, huh? Yeah. Um, Let's Washington. talk about the Sugar Bowl. That was almost the worst collapse I've ever seen on a football field. <laughs> yeah, I mean, that game was, in my opinion, a lot more entertaining. Uh, the Bama game, I honestly took a nap the first half. Granted, it was after New Year's, so I'm allowed to do that. But um, – yeah, no, a lot more fun to watch. And uh, you could say I have a dog in the fight because um, I hate UW. Know. And so it was very entertaining. <laughs> Man, I was impressed with Michael Penix Jr. in this game. I think oh. that dude's draft stock skyrocketed. And I think there are a lot of people out there that probably wish he had won the Heisman this year because of this game alone. Yeah, he was phenomenal. This his like his deep ball accuracy, like every time it was just could not have been thrown any better. And I think Washington definitely has the edge in this matchup when it comes to quarterback play, because I'm not a huge JJ McCarthy guy. Yeah. You're uh, not wrong. Yeah. I was gonna say another thing with Washington is despite some of the criticisms they got in the middle of the season there, fuck man, the past three games they've played they have risen to the occasion um when it well okay i take away the the coot game that was a bad game for them <laughs> the two most important games of their season the oregon game and the texas game they have really risen to the occasion and i think in both they they looked like the better team i think the collapse at the end would have been just that a collapse but i think for most part in that game god especially the third quarter where they just dominated that quarter um 
Washington to me looks like the best team that played this past weekend. Yep, I would agree. I, I think that Washington absolutely outplayed Texas. And the fact that game even got close was crazy, but it was just a perfect storm of bad things to happen. Um, but I mean, Michigan's favored by four and a half. I think I would take the dogs and maybe even dogs money line. Ooh, I'd what definitely take the dogs money line there. <laughs> cool. yeah. The eyes of Texas were not upon you this weekend, were they? No, they were not. <laughs> um, yeah, uh, hell of a game, though. Um, yeah, I mean, I think you just got to give UW credit, underdogs, and they've they they lived up to expectations. Um, yeah, I really thought Quinn would get it done there at the end. That was a pretty ball, but the whoever that defensive back was made a hell of a play on the ball. So. Yeah. Um. Yeah, and everyone said it. You know, Michael Penix balled out. So, I think uh, um, I think you can make an argument that he probably deserved the Heisman. I mean, I, he that was definitely a Heisman performance. But, um, yeah. I mean, I think uh, I think you can't complain about UW Michigan being the national championship. I'm just glad it's not a fucking SEC team. So. I'll take that any day, of the, any day of the week, twice on Sunday. I also think, you know, I don't like Washington very much. Um, I, I I earned a little more respect for them after going to an Oregon football game at Oregon and realized that the Husky fans aren't nearly as bad as Duck fans. Um, but God, it would be it would be something else for the Pac-12 to win the championship in its final season before it just blows up and becomes everything else. Um, kind of just such a shit show and just speaks volumes to how fucked up that whole Pac-12 situation was. To lose your conference the year you have a champion potentially, crazy. Yeah, it is. So we got two 14-0 teams. Who's winning the natty? I already said it. I'm going Washington. Dogs. Uh, I think defense wins championships. Michigan has a stronger line of scrimmage. So give me UW. Go Big Blue. Uh-oh, <laughs> uh, I can't wait right. to piss, piss off some UW fans here in Spokane. Zambi, should we just restart this before it closes out on us? Yes. Uh, yeah. All right. All right, fellas, let's jump over to the NFL right now. Um, I think first special shout out to one Zambi for winning our uh, our fantasy, our, our podcast, Fantasy Football League, the most pointless league that has ever been created. Zambi, correct me if I'm wrong, you were the fifth seed coming into this game? Fifth seed, second most points scored. And your overall record for the entire season will be? Uh, is it five and ten or am I five, five and ten? <laughs> five and ten champion of our fantasy football league who played against in the championship the sixth seed, who I think was Dan, who finished four and eleven. 
What a thrilling championship we had, boys. Congratulations to all who participated and followed along in this utterly disastrous inaugural a few too many football season. Um, changes are on the way, I think. Changes need to be on the way. Submit your request to Commissioner Coop during the offseason. Cooper, you have your work cut out for you to fix this league. Are you prepared to take over? Uh, last time I checked, I did my job, and I did the draft according to the stipulations that were put in place. So <laughs> everyone can fuck right off. Oh. I do I do think there needs to be some sort of accounting for Zambi's payoff, right? It's it, it can't be very much unless Jake was sitting here just dropping and adding players like crazy all season. Oh, what did, yeah, what did we what did we originally establish? That it was like a dollar per player ad two dollars per player. I don't know if I made more than three waiver wire pickups the whole fucking season. I think I made I think I made two. Uh, but I don't know. Is there a way to see how many I'm pretty sure Dan did uh, a good I, I mean if you can see snowflakes on the goddamn sleeper app, I'm sure you can see how many <laughs> players someone picked up. Yeah, I you might have to go on to like oh you, my can God, Sam, you can do it. You can do view all right the activity. Okay, Zambi, you're a decent. You're gonna get a decent payoff here. You're gonna get like maybe a hundred bucks, I think. Wait, actually, I look like I have twenty five activities. You have twenty five, <laughs> Dan. I have eighteen free agents and seven waivers. Oh my God, Dan, that's a fifty dollar <laughs> league you just bought into. <laughs> Is that what we said it was? We said $2 for sure. I thought it was a dollar a thing. <laughs> we can go back and check right. the I think tape. it's $2. Actually I think it's three. two. <laughs> I remember because we said $1 is worth nothing, but two makes it 25 moves, Dan? <laughs> yeah, I guess so. I, I, got, I got absolutely shafted at times where I literally did not have players. So what was I supposed to do? Just take the loss anyway? Apparently. Yeah. I made five moves. Uh, let's see. Cooper, how many did you make? Thrilling. Cooper made four. $8. Big, big spender, Cooper. Jake made 20. Budget. Jake made 20, so he owes $40. <laughs> Paige made 16. Dude, Zambi's getting Zambi's <laughs> gonna get more than 100 bucks from this league. <laughs> That's outrageous. What, what the hell? I wish I paid attention at the end. <laughs> I thought it was a dollar a move. Wow. Can't and wait till yeah, the still wife the hears that. We still need the egg zamblin' at some point. Yeah. Zambi doesn't get paid until he gets egged. <laughs> right All right, here. boys. Let's talk about our week 18 predictions. Uh, well, before we go there, I think most exciting game of this past weekend, uh, Cowboys, Lions, uh, refs absolutely blow the game. NFL is fixed, handing the Cowboys a much needed win. Um, Cooper, where do you stand on the Cowboys these days, given what you've seen the past couple weeks? Uh, yeah, I, I, you know, it's after, you know, that Miami game where, you know, we probably should have won that. Um, there's some questionable calls the that final drive parsons was definitely held which like led to a game-winning field goal but i'm not gonna you know read into that too much but you know what it came back the next week and we won the game so was it a fluky call probably but um 
a win is a win. So um, I'm, of course, biased. I'm not, you know, I don't know what else to add here other than the fact that it. I saw the I saw the same clip that everyone else saw where it did look like that lineman went up to the ref. So whatever happened there, um, I don't know, but it's a win. So can't change it now. Yeah. More importantly, Coop, now that uh opens the door where all you gotta do is beat the pesky commanders and cowboys win the east and have a home playoff game. So that's a big deal. Yeah, although I was, I think like the latest prediction is if we do win out, we play the Packers. And we all know <laughs> what happens the last time we play the Packers in the playoffs. So um that that would be that'd be interesting. So um yeah, but I will take the two seed any day of the week and twice on Sunday. Could be a Lions Cowboys rematch in the playoffs too. That would be juicy. Oh, I would take the Lions so quickly in that rematch. How could it wait? How like if we if we win in the do we have to lose and like the Lions have to win or something? Um, I don't know. Actually, I think we're I think we're if we don't win the division, we're the highest wild card team, right? Yes. So we play the NFC South, wouldn't we? Because they'll be the worst division. Yeah. They play the NFC South, but in the second round, potentially. Yeah. That's oh, in the so in the like in the divisional round. Yeah. In the divisional round, that that that's how it would work because the Niners would get the lowest remaining seed. And if the Cowboys go in and win and beat the Bucks, for, for example, and the Lions win, then um the Lions would host the Cowboys, I think. You guys would for sure lose that game, Cooper. <laughs> no, we're the team of Dustin this year. Everyone knows that. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> started, well, it, started, it started with the Rangers and it ends with the Cowboys. So uh not worried one bit. Although I don't I don't think any actually the Niners look questionable against the Ravens. They uh they showed some flaws there. Oh, dude, the Cowboys are not going into San Francisco and beating the Niners. <laughs> that is, I don't know the 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 Ravens tonight. They, they laid the blueprint for beating the Niners. So, are the Cowboys the Ravens? We can be. Oh God, shut the fuck up, Cooper. All right, boys, let's get into <laughs> our Week 18 predictions. I think biggest game of the week, as far as our podcast is concerned, is Seahawks versus Arizona. Right, Zambi, how we feeling? If according to NFL.com and their playoff picture, if the Seahawks win this game, they have a 44% chance to <laughs> just barely get into yeah. the playoffs. Yeah. Um, going in lukewarm, I'd say. Um, the Cardinals always play us well down in Arizona. And I feel like this could be a game that they just want to win solely just to crush all hope with the playoffs for the Hawks. Um, we are reliant on the Packers game. So they need to lose and then we need to win. Then we'll be in, but uh, I mean, it could be worse. I could be a Viking fan. So I think, you know, honestly, if I had to pick the Packers bears game, I think the bears might win that ball game. Bears are kind of low key on a bit of a heater right now. 
Yeah. I think that's a, is that a prove it game for Justin Fields? If if the Bears win, do they keep Justin Fields around? I think he makes the decision quite a bit tougher for them the way he's finished out this year. But at the end of the day, I don't think you can pay that guy what a starter would make in the NFL. I, I don't know. To me, it's just a cap issue, a salary issue. Yeah, that'll be that'll be interesting. I didn't realize that that Seattle needed a Green Bay loss. Ooh, that's gonna be an interesting afternoon. Are they both at the same time? Yep, that's always. Oh helpful, my right? gosh, it would be so sad, Zambi, if the Seahawks played so well and then just have it snatched because the Packers won. You know, Seahawks. The Seahawks got in last year on the final game of the regular season because the Lions beat the Packers. Uh-oh. So will it happen again? Yeah. Probably. It's a big one. It's a big one, but we'll also have to keep an eye out on the Rams 49ers. Oh, wait, the Rams are already comfortably in the playoffs. We don't have to worry about that. Um, Cooper, we've already talked about implications for the Cowboys here. Um Beat beat the commanders and you guys take the uh take the division, huh? Uh yeah. I mean on paper we should have no I don't even know who the commanders start is it still Sam Howell? No, it's um Jacoby. No. I mean it? Sam Howell's played like ass, but he's been playing. Uh but Jacoby Brissett's probably yeah. probably the guy. So yeah, I mean we shouldn't really have issues playing getting a dub against Jacoby Brissett, but stranger things have happened. Uh, and then to the shitty AFC side, boys. Um, we got the Jags, Bills, Colts, Texans, and Steelers who can all make it. <laughs> yeah, there's some there's some juicy ones. Buffalo, Miami, winner of that one wins the division. Um, if Buffalo loses, though, and then uh, gets some um, other losses or other wins from like Pittsburgh and Jacksonville and stuff like that. Buffalo could be out of the playoffs. Personally, <laughs> I do think Buffalo wins at Miami and, and the bills are the, uh, are the AFC East champs after a crazy season. Anyone yeah. have any hot takes on who will be in, who will be out? I got, I got Texans. Texans are in with a win over the Colts. I like that one. Uh, although oh, the Colts maybe a little sneaky. I don't know. Um, the Steelers making the playoffs is bad for football this year. <laughs> I could not agree more. <laughs> I think. Yeah, I mean, I think the Steelers. I mean, I'm. A, they need the most help, though. I'm guessing Baltimore is going to rest all their starters because they used to carry the one seed. So, um, if the but Steelers even, they even in the with playoffs, the win. Don't they need um who else do they need to lose? They need a couple losses, don't they? Pittsburgh is in with a win and a Buffalo loss, or a win and a Jacksonville loss, or a win and a Houston Indianapolis tie. <laughs> yes. You know what? Fuck it. I'm rooting for Pittsburgh. Or wait a second, we got we got two more, two more scenarios. Uh Pittsburgh is in if Pittsburgh ties. Jacksonville loses and the Colts Texans doesn't end in a tie. Or if Jacksonville loses, Denver wins 
and the Colts Texans doesn't end in a tie. So there is a weird, weird way where they could get in even if they lose. <laughs> Clinching scenarios are always hilarious. Yeah, we could go down quite the rabbit hole here with with these scenarios. Yes, um, all right, is there anything else here with the with the playoff picture? I think we can save our predictions for the playoff next week. Are we making predictions with who gets in? I, w- I was thinking who gets in. All right, Dan, Dan, who gets in? Give me give me your NFC picture. Uh, the NFC, the only thing that's up for grabs, I, I do think the Cowboys will win the division, so that makes the wild card. I, I think Tampa Bay beats Carolina, so that's your one through four. Your wild card is Philly, the Rams, and you know what? My Super Bowl contending Seattle Seahawks <laughs> are going to be in there, baby. <laughs> it will be a team that is playing for – a chance to keep winning, to contend for a Super Bowl, makes them a contender. Zambi? So, excuse me. Um, NFC, I'm going to go the same as Dan. Uh, AFC, I have Baltimore, KC, Miami, and Cleveland as the first four. And I think I'm going to go Colts. Gardner Minshew, Jags, and you know, just for fun, I say the Buffalo Bills miss the playoffs and the Steelers get in. Oh, I hate yes. your playoffs. I like it, Zambi. You know what? I'm gonna go with Zambi's pick, except I will have the Seahawks missing it. Valley me. It does, Cooper. Uh, starting with the NFC, give me the boys when the NFC East, uh, Lions, Niners. If New Orleans beats the Falcons, are they in the playoffs? Uh, the, the, Bucks the Bucks have, have to lose, have the inside track. The Bucks have to lose. All right. Give me the Bucks then. And then Philly, uh, the Rams. Going chalk, Green Bay, NFC. Yes, yes. I didn't say my I didn't say my AFC real quick. Uh, I do have Buffalo in in the East, so that will make the wild card. Cleveland, Miami, and CJ Stroud and the Houston Texans get them in there playing that Saturday afternoon wild card game where the Texans are born for. That's probably the most likely for the AFC, huh? I think so. I think the Texans, when they have Stroud, they're pretty damn. They're a pretty good team, so I think they'll win. Yeah. All right, daily dozen time, boys. Let's see if we can get out of here by seven forty-five. Oh, all righty. Zambi, you got it. I do have it up. Has Beautiful. anyone played today already? No. Oh, let's do it, boys. Come on, go. Come on. Tonight. Should we leave the sports for the end or should we knock out the sports right away? Grocery, grocery, grocery products, baby. This is what we live for. All right. Typically in orange bags, this brand of Hawaiian sweetbread rolls was founded in 1950. Hawaiian rolls. Kings Hawaiian rolls. Kings. It is Kings. Well, let me just. Kings Hawaiian. Kings Hawaiian. Boom. One for one. Let's go. Oh, God. Do we go music and just hope Cooper can carry us here? Let's go. All right, going with music here. The quote is, you need to give it up, had it about enough. It's not hard to see. 
Our lyrics from what 1998 hit song that was a special duet between singers Monica and Brandy? Oh my God, that is the hardest question I've ever seen on the Skip, on the skip, skip. We'll come back to I, that. I have no fucking clue. Wolf. <laughs> uh, movies? Movies. With a 22% critic score on Rotten Tomatoes, what former SNL actor and friend of Adam Sandler had the lead role in the 2003 film Dickie Roberts' Former Child Star? Oh David's my name. god. I don't know. David Spade. I have no clue. I, I know all Adam Sandler. I've never heard of this movie. Coop, do you know this? Nope. Uh, <laughs> of course I, I know it. Oh, god. <laughs> you just like trash. You're Crash. just doing something. He didn't say anything. Like, oh, yeah, it's David Spade. I know that for sure. All right, going over to television, focusing on a team of people working in a hotel and casino, James Kahn, Josh Duhamel, and Tom Selleck starred in this NBC dram- dramedy from 2003 to 2008. I think it's just Vegas. I like it. Nice, Coop. Nice, Coop. This one? Yeah. Oh, oh idiots. Las Vegas Cooper? <laughs> you can't go in that confident. <laughs> oh my god. All right. Going over to books. Philip Seymour Hoffman won an Oscar for his portrayal of this American author, known for such books as in Cold Blood and Breakfast at Tiffany's. Oh my god. This I had to fucking read Breakfast at Tiffany's at Loyola. Is it Capote? I don't. I don't think I, I read it. I think it's. I think it's Capote. I got nothing here, unfortunately. Yeah. Truman Capote. Oh, no, that's definitely not it. Or yeah, nope. Go with that. We're doing. Go it. with it. Redeem yourself. Yep. There you go. Hey, that a boy, wow. Cooper. Way to step yep. up to the fucking. That place. might be the upset of the century. That you yeah. Got. Wow. Cooper can what read. Hell? <laughs> All right. Yeah. What do we want here? We should end NFL. on that. NFL baby. Kenny Britt, Kendall Wright, Michael Griffin, and Chance. Just kidding. Just kidding. Just kidding. We're all first round draft picks taken by what AFC team since 2000? Yeah, Titans. Jesus, let me finish this question. Dan, come on. I'll be a smart ass. Dan Dan was chomping at the bit for that one. Yeah, he couldn't. We knew Dan couldn't help with movies, television, or books. So. On January 3rd, 2007, this future top pick LSU quarterback threw for over 300 yards and a 41-14 blowout win over Brady Quinn and Cooper's Notre Dame. Cooper, who was that? Do you you remember who that was? Yeah, he was a fucking bust, Jamarcus Russell. (laughs) Got to throw the ball 100 yards, though. (laughs) All right. NBA. Before becoming a... All-star in Utah, Carlos Boozer spent the first two seasons of his NBA career with what Eastern Conference team from 2002 to 2004? Did he start? Dan, that's you. Did he start with the Bulls? This is the Cleveland Cavaliers. I was saying the Bulls, too. The Bulls were after the Jazz. Yeah. Bingo. Nice, Daniel, son. Mashup. Oh, we got Adam Adam Sandler. Sandler. Adam Sandler. (laughs) God damn. (laughs) What is this face? What? 
How are you supposed to work with that? Why? Yeah. Why are the eyes like crooked? Is this a person who has like? (laughs) Is this is Is Andy's computer broken or? (laughs) The crooked, the crooked eyes throws me. I don't have a. Wait. I don't even have a guess. So. I don't know who Amy Adams is, but the right eye, that kind of looks like Jennifer Aniston. The advice is to just look at the right eye, ignore the crookedness. I came from my wife. She knows who it is? Does Kay know who it is? I think it's Jennifer Aniston. Really? It could be. It could be. Nope. It's Sydney Sweeney. I don't think it's Jennifer Aniston. <laughs> I could be wrong though. Sydney Sweeney was in uh, North Idaho. Spastery. Look at the right eye, is what you're Ooh, saying? Okay, I totally locked in. That is for sure Jennifer Aniston. Why is she so crooked though? All right. Yes, baby. What? <laughs> what? <laughs> That is the weirdest picture of her I've ever seen. <laughs> I need to find that crooked face. I think it's Adam Sandler that's crooked that messed that up. <laughs> what is this? All right, we're back on the music. You need to give it up. Had about enough. It's not hard to see. Yeah, I have absolutely nothing here, boys. I don't know. I know who Brandy is. I have no clue who Monica is. I don't know. I got nothing. Oh, I think she's friends with April. Do we just give this up here? Yeah. <laughs> Literally just type it. Just, just give up. I want to see the picture of Aniston now. All right. We're going to figure out this music first. The boy is mine. Yeah. No That's idea. That's what I was thinking. TV. Oh, my God. Oh, God. Weird Vegas. Answer is Las Vegas. Super. Is this our second matchup we've gotten? I only see it with the right side. The left side is so jacked up, it's ridiculous. (laughs) All right, fellas. Well, hey, ladies and gentlemen, thanks for joining us on tonight's episode. Uh, I think we got over the hump when it comes to being Debbie Downers about the Zags this season. I think it's upward and onward from here. A new year, a new conference slate ahead of us. Um, let's go kick kick some ass. Let's go kick some WCC ass. Fuck the Terreros. Fuck the Waves. Stacey Davis. No, I was hoping there was no Stacey Davis. We're not ending the conversation. <laughs> go Zags. We'll be all right. Go Canarina. Pure electricity. Zambia might be there. We'll see. Zags, not to get in. Stay positive. Deuces! Fuck you, that's my one. <laughs> I love doing that to Cooper. I'm on editing face, page. His face is always just like lost after that. <laughs> uh.